Hey everybody, welcome to episode 59 of Junior Golf Keys presented by Golf Zone Ledbetter. I'm your host Matt and I'm excited to be back with you guys. I've taken a little bit of a break and I put out a video a couple weeks ago just letting you guys know what was going on with me and my career transition over to Golf Zone Ledbetter as the Director of Business Development and Partnerships uh, for the global team. So really excited to be on board and really appreciative of them jumping on as a presenting sponsor of this podcast uh, so that we can continue to give you guys more information, uh, help you in your journeys uh, as you navigate through the junior golf world. So just a quick bit on Golf Zone Ledbetter, um, an industry leader in several different categories, uh, licensed golf academies being one of them, currently have 36 licensed academies in 16 different countries and across those different academies, a network of 150 uh, Golf Zone Ledbetter instructors. Uh, they are an industry leader in coach education and certification with a host of content, education, curriculum, and certification process for uh, Ledbetter Kids, uh, an instruction program designed to help coaches understand how to better coach and develop young kids. Uh, as well as an associate certification and full instructor certification. So uh, David Ledbetter obviously has made his mark in the golf industry as a great instructor, not only developing players, but developing coaches. And Ledbetter University is a platform that helps continue that legacy that David has built. So uh, in addition to that, Golf Zone Ledbetter leads the industry in golf performance and technology solutions, including Golf Zone simulators and some of their additional partnerships uh, to help academies, golf courses, um, really just the golf industry grow um, as we continue to grow as a company. So uh, they just launched a new app, Golf Zone Ledbetter app in the App Store. It is a platform, it's a community for coaches and for players to interact with each other, to learn, to develop as coaches, to develop as players. And I think uh, you guys should definitely check it out when you get a chance, head on over to the App Store and type in Golf Zone Ledbetter and download that. Giving away some, there's a contest actually running right now um, for an experience at the headquarter Champions Gate location in Orlando and a lesson with David himself. And so uh, all you gotta do is go and sign up and download that app. Uh, check them out for sure. So uh, really excited for my guest this week. He's been on the podcast before. Episode 23 was his original episode. Jake's wig is a motivational leader. He's a goal-driven mentor. Uh, and I just love talking with Jake. Um, he is an awesome guy. He's super passionate. I wanted to have him as this first episode back just because he brings a ton of great energy and uh, just thought, what a better way to uh, to kick off uh, a new episode and you know get jump back in uh, than to have Jake on the episode with us. So uh, today we're going to dig in deep. Uh, we're not really going to cover much of Jake's background. You can listen to episode twenty three for that. Um, definitely go into you know what his background and you know his credentials are and stuff like that um, as a Navy SEAL um, uh, at the Navy Naval Academy playing football. You know all those types of things. You can definitely get a lot more details in episode 23 about his past. So what we're going to dive into today is visualization. Uh, Jake is a master at visualization, and uh, he teaches this. He coaches this. Uh, he spent some time at the University of Illinois and uh, was the development, or I'm sorry, he led the charge in uh, player development. So he was the director of player development for the University of Illinois football team at one time. And uh, it's actually a very interesting conversation that we had around visual, visualization because we talked about kickers and uh, we talked about the process. And, you know, obviously this is a golf podcast and we want to keep it golf focused, uh, but really interesting the parallels between uh, football, specifically kickers, and golf and visualization. So we're going to talk about, you know, what is visualization? Why is it important? We're going to talk about it in practice. We're going to talk about it on the course. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, just the thought process and thinking about you, what you want to hit and then actually hitting it. Uh, we're going to talk about something that Jake 
developed uh, with his football players that you know I think is really really strong um, in terms of a resource for golfers as well, which is a picture book as it relates to visualization. Uh, we're going to talk about Jake calls it uh, his approach. I'm going to call it uh, the routine. I guess is what we term it more so in the golf world. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his six, his six week cycle. Um, and then I'm going to also tag in the notes uh, Jake's YouTube channel because you should definitely check him out. Um, he's got some different content on there about visualization, and I think he's you know a, a real expert in this space. So um, super thankful for his time and uh, really appreciate having him on. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So glad to be back with you. I definitely want to get into the episode, but before we get into the episode, I do want to talk to you about another one of my partners, Golf Kicks. Golf Kicks has changed the game when it comes to golf shoes, and basically what they've done is they've created a spike that you can put into any tennis shoe. And what that allows you to do is take your, you know, for all you sneaker heads that are out there, it takes, it gives you the ability to take your sneakers that you would maybe traditionally wear uh, out and about and convert those into golf shoes. So you can take a little bit of that flavor to the golf course and give them some functionality with golf kick spikes. So, uh, Really excited uh, to be partnered with them as well. And uh, because I'm a partner with Golf Kicks, uh, you can actually go over to golfkicks.com. You can use the code JGK20, like Junior Golf Keys, JGK20, and they'll give you 20% off your order today. So I would definitely encourage you to head on over there and do that. Uh, you know, summer's coming up. We're coming out of the spring. Great time for uh, some fun out there on the golf course, some different flavor with your kicks out there. Uh, as you're showing up your playing partners uh, on the course. So check out Golf Kicks, golfkicks.com. Use the code JGK20 to get 20% off your order. And uh, you guys sit tight. We'll be right back with this week's guest, Coach Jake Zwig. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, I'm excited to welcome back Jake Zwig, motivational leader and goal-driven mentor. Uh, if you guys didn't catch... Coach Zwig on the last episode that he did with us. Uh, it's been quite a few months ago, but episode 23, go back. We're certainly not going to go through his backstory and everything like that now, but we're going to dig in very deep on visualization and uh, something Coach Zwig is uh, very in tune with. So, Coach, how's it going? Hey, man, great, Matt. Thanks for having me back, dude. Really excited, man. I know we talked about visualization the first time. But, you know, it's it's crazy. I learned it in the seventh grade, man. And, and literally, I was doing it world class, and I still didn't have all the answers, mm. right? Like I, yeah. like, I had it down. By the middle of high school, I visualized maybe an hour a day. And there's still a whole bunch of stuff that I was missing. Because like we talked about before, like when you're in a vacuum trying to be great, it's impossible. Like you got to you got to have the best coach around you. You got to have the best partners. You got to have people that are trying that have been where you're trying to go to eliminate all that bouncing around time that you could be doing to get better. So visualization is one of those things that I don't care what you're doing. You know, I used it in business, getting ready for business meetings. I used it in golf. I used it in coaching the kickers. I use it in, in everything that I do, every aspect of life that you want to get better at visualization is the key yeah so for the audience why don't we just start off and uh tackle what is visualization high level in your opinion so high level visualization is allowing your body to get into a state that your mind can't tell the difference between physical activity and what goes through your brain so it's the ability to Use your brain to physically train your body in an action that will be replicated when it's time for your body to actually do it. And the example I'm going to give you, the best example I got, Admiral Stockdale was, was roughly an 80-80 guy, right? Like, so probably 10 handicap would be 80. Right. Roughly, right? 82. Sure. So he goes off to war, gets shot down, spends six years in the Hanoi Hilton. And every day he plays 18 holes of golf in the morning, 18 holes of golf at night. 
for six years, has his shoulders broken, his arms broken, his legs broken, doesn't pick a club up for six years. And the first round of golf he played when he got out, because he's a big golf dude, he shot a 72, shot par. Hmm. And all he had done was play golf. But the difference was when he was playing golf in his head, he didn't have bad shots. He didn't miss putts. He didn't, you know what I'm saying? There was none of the normal practice stuff that would happen to you when you're playing golf and you're getting better. Right. So he was able to make this quantum leap. However, I wouldn't call it a quantum leap because he spent six years in the Hanoi Hilton and he just made a physical leap in his ability. He spent a ton of time working on it, right? Like play 36 holes of golf every day for six years. In his head. In his head. And so that aspect of it from a high level, your body physically doesn't know the difference between what you dream, what you think, and what you visualize to actually what's happening, right? Right. And so when you, you start really diving into that, you can do a massive amount of work in visualization, and it doesn't cost you anything physically. You don't have to recover from it. You, you can't do it too much, right? Like there's no, there's no intrinsic cost other than time to doing visualization. So, yeah. you know, Olympic, for Olympic athletes, the number one reason they don't attain gold medals in the Olympics is over-preparation and over-training leading up to the Olympics. Physically. Physically. Physical overtraining. And so when you start thinking about it, like I got a great story to share and I didn't know where it was going to come up, but we're going to throw it in here right now. All right. So about nine months ago, I got a call from one of our national level wrestlers. And I get these calls from time to time, right? A guy kind of little lost in what he's trying to do. And so we talked and kid was coming off an ACL injury. Can't get on the mat was, was, dying at home, little depressed, all these problems. And I said to him, I said, hey, how much visualization do you do? And he said, I do a fair share. I said, what's a fair share? And he's like, well, you know, I do about 30 minutes a day. I said, okay, let's do two hours a day. But let's do two hours a day in four 30-minute blocks that are very segmented to winning world championships. Hmm. And so he was like, okay. And so we got, we got, we're going to, we're not just going to visualize, we're going to visualize a scenario so that we can improve in that situation. So then the next thing I told him to do, I said, I want you to watch no less than five hours of world class wrestling. So wrestling now has this, uh, let's call it for a better term, it's called Flow, Flow TV or Flow Wrestling. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've watched some of the matches on there for sure. Yeah, so like literally they got every match in the world on Flow. Yep. yep. So And all the national guys got a membership, so it's super easy for them. And I said, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go watch the, all the world champions, and I want you to spend five hours a day watching them. And then for one of your visualization sessions, I want you to wrestle that world champion. Mm, Yeah. So fast forward, he called me last month. He got back on the mat and he was like, Jake, I cannot believe how much better I've gotten in the last nine months. Wow. And I said, really? He said, Jake, I'm beating people that I couldn't even wrestle with before this. Wow. And I said, yeah. I said, think about it, man. You just spent seven hours a day honing your craft mentally, and it honed your craft physically. Right. Right? And so it's not much different than the Stockdale deal. A lot smaller, right, consequences. He didn't have to go to prison or war camp, but he had a physical setback. He couldn't train. But we trained our butt off, right? Like we, oh, yeah. we got seven hours a day in. Yep, yep. So never underestimate the value or the impact of visualization. And like anything else, you have to do it right. Yeah. You can't, it can't be one of those things where you just kind of do it or you're doing it because you kind of want to get better. 
Like you got to be committed to it. Um, you know, I, I just walked, uh, our quarterback here wanted to do it. And so we walked him through it and initially, man, like it takes you a good year, year and a half to figure out what, you know, how to truly relax and get into the moment. But it's crazy. Now at 49, I take three steps down the stairs and I'm totally relaxed. <laughs> so I can, like, it used to take me 10 minutes to get into the zone. I get in the zone about 10 seconds. Yeah. Literally just pitching my whole body relaxed. So if I lay on the floor, boom, I'm done. Like I can almost get into it instantly. Wow. And so I used it, right? Like I used it in the SEAL teams. I used it drilling in the houses. I used it in coaching. I used it on my ship. I can remember being on the bridge, visualizing, getting the ship underway. Yeah. Do, going through all my evolutions. So then when I did it, it was like, oh, man, I've done it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Engine ahead, engine reverse one-third, right? I'll stop. Boom. Like, I knew everything. I, and then, you know, you're going you're gonna to combine it with walkthroughs where you're going to where you're going to combine. You're not going to be visualizing, but you're going to be walking through, like in my case, on the bridge of a ship, giving commands. You know, cast off forward stern line, right? Give all the commands. Mm -hmm. And you, that's, you're going to top on that. You're going to be visualizing what's happening. You see the stern lines go over. And, okay, engine, engine back, one-third. Boom, you're giving them. Yeah. And that's no different. Like, I use, I've used it every aspect of my life. Coaching, right? I remember the first time on special teams corner, I had to call plays. The night before, I was in my hotel room practicing. Yeah. Right? Visualizing. Because the big one is, like, you got to call a fake punt, right? Like, you, you can't let them, like – Everybody got nerves when you call a fake punt. Right. But I used, you know, I, I practiced the night before. Hey, purple, purple, we're going purple. And then you smile, right? So no one knows you're terrified. You <laughs> smile. And then they go out there and you've practiced it enough. They execute it. You know, like you come back, everybody's happy. Yep. But if you don't practice that stuff, you don't visualize it, you don't walk through it, it ain't never going to happen the way you want it to when you really need it. Is that because you get in the moment and, and the nerves take over? Yeah, the nerd. Like, well, I, I think it's a combination of, of things. You can't ever do something right if you've never done it right before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and so, yeah. if, if if you've never ran it in a game, unless it's just pure luck, right? Yes, like it's hard. Like in practice, like I, I the way I practice is I try to practice harder than the game, so that when you get in the game, it it feels like it's easier. But it's always harder to execute in the game. For sure. But it, but, but it comes back to that. And then, you know, the other aspect of it is it's just a big – when you're in competition, that's why it's called competition. It's not practice anymore. Right. So everything amps, right? And now you're trying to compete against another person. They got a say in how you do. Yeah, for sure. And in golf, mm -hmm. you know, that, that amped upness isn't the same as being on the football field, right? I mean, in, in uh, golf, you're – I would make an argument it's close to the same. Would you? Right? Like, like you got water out in front of you at 180 around the green. True. Right? Like, that's the same feeling. Yep. You, you know, yep. shoot, you got – the good one is you got, a, you got a creek that crosses the path off the tee at 220 yards. Yeah. Right? And if you're a beginner golfer, like, you got to make a decision, right? Even, even, even if you got a big stick that goes 300, mm -hmm. you know, I yep. tee off with my one iron. It goes 150. I don't care how I feel. Like, I know it's at, at 210. Like, okay, it's, yeah. still, it's still in there, right? You're yeah, still yeah. thinking about it as you approach the ball on the tee. True. Yep, good So, point. yeah, it's a, like, I don't, I, and here's the thing. I don't, I don't think one competition is different than another when it comes to the heebie-jeebies and the butterflies and mm -hmm. performance anxiety and all of that stuff. Like, I've been really big on sports – think the last probably five years yeah and it's the same as visualization right like it's the same like sports think is is when you're out there and you're trying to think and perform at the same time really bad right right and i was super guilty of this in high school wrestling super guilty and everybody talks about the zone but what it really is is sports think if you could turn your brain off and just let yourself wrestle if you can let yourself just hit the ball your body will do what it's trained to do and it'll come out naturally and it'll happen, you know, a good two or three milliseconds before you could make it happen by thinking about it. 
And that yeah. two or three milliseconds is the difference between you win and lose. Yeah, yeah. And Man, so – That's interesting. It makes me think of uh, – well, I shared this with you before we jumped in, but uh, just scrolling through Instagram yesterday, and this quote popped up from Jack Nicholas. Um, said, I never hit a shot, not even in practice, without having a sharp, in-focus picture of it in my head, without having first visualized it in my mind. And then he goes on to say, it's like having a movie play in your head I see the situation in front of me. I focus on what type of swing I need to make to get the ball where I want it to go. I visualize the shot in my mind, and then I make my body and swing do what's needed to produce that shot. So I just thought it played in super parallel to what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Right, man. And that's the thing. You know, this sports thing, thing for me, I just say quiet my mind. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, I just said it and shut off all thought. And it's neat because, like, for me, if I'm using it, like, if I go squat and I do it, I do it right before I get under the bar. I don't think about anything. I do my three reps and I put the bar up. It doesn't matter how much weight's on there or how little weight's on there. It's always the same. (laughs) The bar goes down. The bar goes up. I don't think about anything. Like, literally, I'm just closed off mentally. Yeah. And so it's the ability to get in the zone. So he's talking about, right, the approach. So – Let's let's you want to dive into the approach aspect of it or yeah, you tell I mean, me where, where you want to go, because I think so much of it all plays. It's all tied together. Um, I just call it the structure of success for a better term. Right. Like, yeah, like there's so many aspects of success that I don't think a lot of people understand. Um, come into play when you're really talking about high level elite success. Yeah, yeah. And it, it goes it goes all the way back to, like, what socks are you wearing today? <laughs> right? Like, right. it goes back to Bob, Bob you know, the uh, Wooden teaching his players how to tie their shoes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like, what socks are you wearing today? Okay, are you wearing the same socks that you always wear? Are you Did you try a new pair of socks on? Like, as simple as that is, but if you get a blister on the ninth hole, yeah. now your whole game has changed. Right. And so the approach, like, that, that – that Jack's talking about Jack Nicholas, right? That's who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Okay, so Jack's talking about that's no different. Like I, I tell my kickers, everything you do has to be the same when you get to the ball. Yes. You you can't you can't show up and take different steps to the ball. You can't you know you can't approach your ball um, differently, and it's a process. Do you stand 10 yards behind your ball and try to figure out where you're going to hit it, right? Where do I need this ball to go? I would say it even starts before then. So, so let's, let's talk about this picture book stuff kind of in sequence so that we can okay. get to the approach. And yeah. just remind me that we're working towards the approach. Okay. So, so one of the things that I've, I've started to do, because we have smartphones now, it may be the easiest thing in the world. So every tee box, if I'm like, if I'm going, let's talk about me going to the state qualifying tournament in 1990, where I missed the cut by one stroke. Okay. I should have drove up there. I should have driven up there the week before. And I should have took my smartphone, which I didn't have back then and taken a picture at every tee box and then walked 20 yards and taking another picture. So each hole literally would have mm, probably 40 pictures a hole. Mm. Because when I get up close to the green, I'm going to take a picture from the left side of the fairway, from the middle of the fairway, from the right side of the fairway, from the right rough, from the right out, like damn near in the trees, right? Like I'm going to take five. I'm going to walk up 20 yards and do it again. Yeah. And so what I build now is when I'm at home, when I go home and I do that for every hole and everybody's saying, oh, God, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> well, if you want to if you want to be number one, there's a lot of work involved. Yeah. And I would say and it's another not, one, too, is take one from the green back towards the tee box as well. OK. In reverse, okay. I think is another good one to plug in there just for the listeners, because it's it's really good to look at a golf hole from the opposite perspective too. sometimes you see an angle or something a little bit differently than if you're just playing it from the tee box in great one. Like you can't, like I tell everybody they're free. Yeah. You can take all the pictures you want. Yeah, yeah. It's all, and so 
what you do is, and then when you get up to the green, you're going to take a picture of the green. You're going to basically take a 360-degree picture of the green. And I'm going to take the green from the green level, like phone ding, you're on the ground, and I'm going to bring it up to where my eyes are, and I'm going to take a picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take one low, one high, and then I'm going to move three or four feet to the left and do it. And I may have, you know, shoot, I said 40 for the fairway coming up. I may have another 40 around the green. Yeah. And what this allows me to do is that whole week, I can play the course every day. Sure. I'm not there, but I can play the course every day. And so for me and with my kickers, we have a picture book for every stadium we play in. So now when I get into that position, I get on the field. I don't – when I get in that – I step up to the first tee box, right? You know, in high school golf, you start at different holes. You do that all the time. Right. So, you know, I started at the 11th hole. Okay, boom. I pull up the 11th hole on my phone, right? I got two hours to tee off. I go through – I played a whole round real quick on my phone. I've already played it 15, 20 times that week. Now I'm like, okay, 11th hole, okay, all right, all right. I'm going over here. Okay, ooh, this green has that crazy, that, that two-stage two, two green, upper and lower level. Okay, boom, I see the pins cut, yep. you know, in the lower level. I can't put it on the, on the upper level, so let me lay it a little short and make sure that I'm chipping uphill. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, all of that stuff decreases strokes off your game. 100%. But what it really does is it allows you to use the visualization. And now I'm putting hard data with the visualization. I'm looking at a picture and saying, okay, all right, I know what I got to do, right? I got to hit an 80 yard flop shot. Boom. Got it. I'm going to hit my eight iron at a quarter. It's going to go 80 yards. Boom. I'm going to, ru- I'm going to run it up onto the green, right? Whatever you're doing, you can play it. And then when you get in a situation, your body's like, oh, this 80 yard, you know, bump and run. Let's go. Yeah. So I never thought about this aspect of it. I mean, because I've definitely laid in bed the night before a tournament and played the course in my head over and over. Um, Okay. But I love that because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, let's like simplify it, break it down for the group. Like, how do you put that into practice? I mean, I think what you just described, that picture you painted is, I think, the easiest way to get started, right? Because you're looking at an actual image. Um, so, so initially in visualization, I recommend to everybody that they try to start with a picture before they go in. Yeah, I love that. Because the, the one thing that you have to be able to do in visualization is you have to actually be able to visualize it in your mind what you're going to practice. Right. And that's hard for some people. It's hard. It's, it's hard, hard for me. I, I'm, I struggle with it. It's tough. But once you put some pictures with it, so like, hey, like it's easy. I'm in the Big Ten, right? I can go to any stadium I want online. Yeah. I can't get all the angles online, but I can go to every stadium. And so two years, three years ago, yeah, two years ago, our kicker that went to the NFL, we were going up to kick it Northwestern. And so he hadn't kicked there. And I said, hey, dude, like we're going up on Friday. Why don't you ask to go over to the stadium on Friday? Because we don't normally go to the stadium. He goes, man, I said, listen, bud, this is about your success. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want to go over there and take your pictures and kick some balls? And he was like, shoot. So, like, then we got up, you know, he asked special teams coordinator and boom, they got a van, drove over there. You know, we had to sneak in and he did his thing. And then the next day, I think he kicked three, four balls and didn't miss any. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that you got to do. Right. Like I showed up to the state qualifying tournament, never having played the course, never looked at the course, never even done anything. And then I missed the cut by one stroke. You know, and if I had just if I had taken the time the weekend before, heck, I knew where the qualifying tournament was the, when I first started playing golf. Like in January, I knew where it was. Right. I could have drove up there a couple times. I could have went and played it on Sundays. Yeah, right? I, I could have. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I think for for your junior player, like for junior golfers, you know, a lot yep. of these tournament circuits, 
similar to the PGA or the Corn Ferry Tour or LPGA, you're, you know, the, the circuits are similar as you're going back and playing some of the same courses year after year, right? And so, yep. obviously, over time, you're getting better on those courses. But I think this is a way that, you know, start now. You know, start the next tournament that you're playing in or the next round that you're playing. Go out, start this process of taking pictures and build yourself a library of these courses that you're going to play every single year in these tournaments. Yep, and we, we have books at Illinois, we had a book just because that way you could pass it down. Sure. Right. Like we don't play Rutgers every year. So here's the Rutgers book. Right. Yeah. Like, but I think for individual sport, like golf, like if you go out there and do the work, take the pictures. Right. And right. you know, it's no different than a caddy drawing the greens. No. Yeah. You, you know, and, but you got pictures of it and you, you know, there's like, I know this at Fort Lewis, there's a couple holes. If you put the ball in the wrong place of the green, you can't get it in the cup. Yeah. Like you can't like like there's a couple holes that are so downhill that if you're uphill, it's over. You can't you can't put it in the cup. I don't I don't care what you do. Yeah. To that point, there was a hole at the state qualifying tournament. They cut it in the side between the top, the top level and the bottom level. Mm-hmm. And I had nine putts on a par three Ooh. and I could not get it in the hole. Yeah. But that's I started above on the left side of the green and rolled it off the green, then putted it back. And so, like, I was already four or five strokes into the bad hole, and it took me four strokes to get it in the hole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. really bad deal. Right. And I look back, and I'm like, man, if I had pitchers, I would have known. Whatever you do, do not hit it on the left side of this green. Yeah. So, pitcher book is, is, is a big one for me, especially for young people starting out. Um. And then, you know, I got all of my kickers do this, and it it helps them so much. You need to write down, before you even do anything, you need to write down what your approach is, okay? If that means I'm going to always approach the ball, like I'm right-handed golfer, so I always approach the ball from the the left side, I'm going to be – 20 yards behind the ball, I'm going to stop. I'm going to look at what I think is happening, play that against my picture book, and then I'm going to walk down on my ball, and I'll be five yards behind my ball. I'm going to look over my ball and be like, okay, where do I want to go on the green? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to write that down, and it may be 40 steps. Yeah. And initially, when I'm starting off, I am going to write that down. Now, here's what I tell people. That's my rough draft. I may come back, play around the golf, come back and be like, you know what? I don't like this. And move it or cross it off. Okay. But when I start to really dial myself in, that process is going to be the same every time. Yes. And the more you use that process in the visualization, in the actual execution, the less you're going to have to go back to your 45 steps of your approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right up to when you hit the way, when you start your backswing, that's when it stops. Yep. And now you got, now you got your actual physics going on, but we don't want to have to think about that. Right. That's what the practice range is for. And that's what your coach is for. At that point, you just so, pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I don't like I, one of the tricks that I learned is you know like you line the ball up with that line that they have on it now yeah. and then i aim for one of the letters on the ball okay and so like i'll turn it so that that's like on the back side and it's little and then that's what i'm aiming at right yeah. and then right before i start my backswing quiet my mind and then let it happen right yep let it rip let don't 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 be in there thinking about it right but that 45 line item of approach gets you results when it comes time to actually hit the ball. Yeah. Because your body is training itself and mind are training yourself to get into a rhythm and you're able to repeat it consistently. Yeah. Because like with my kickers, I I watch the kick. I know before they kick the ball, if they're going to miss it. And, and you go back and you watch the film and you're like, hey, what were you doing right here? <laughs> oh, there was a piece of tape on the ground and I looked at it and I kind of thought about it for a second. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I'll flip it on them. What should you have done? Well, there was 25 seconds on the play clock. I know I need 15 seconds on the play clock to get set up. I had more than enough time. I should have went and reset up. Back off, start over. Yep. Yep. Like, Very we got a golf. clock. You, you, oh, yeah. you kind of got a clock in golf, but not quite as tight as our clock, right? Yeah. But he had time. Mm-hmm. So, boom, misses a kick. Yep. You're like, hey, bud. He's like, man, I know. But that's the whole – that's that mental aspect that we talked about last time. That's the mental part of the game that you got to realize you got off off your approach, you got off rhythm, you got off of your list. Stop, go back and reset because I tell everybody this. Golf is no different than, than football. Yeah. You show me a guy that's in a slump, not hitting the ball well. You show me a guy that's not kicking the ball well. All I got to do is go to his list of 45 things and watch him. And I guarantee you in the first five, he's doing something different. Mm-hmm. Guarantee yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd like to kind of go down the track of talking about practice and then game time or course time, I guess, which is, you know, I think everybody, like you said, needs to develop this routine um, that you're going to hit every single time. And like you said, it's something that you continuously, you know, you evaluate it, you solidify it, you know, and yep. make it your own. Yep. Um, but it, you know, guys, this starts with as you're approaching your ball in the fairway and you're walking towards it, you're starting to look at, you know, what are my options going to be for a shot here? What type of a shot do I want to play? Your bag hits the ground. Now you're going into a mode of, all right, I'm going to select, you know, I'm going to figure out my yardage. I'm going to figure out what line I want to take and what shot shape I'm going to hit. Um, and then you're going through your routine of, you know, mine specifically is I stand about eight feet behind the ball. I figure out what my target line is. Is typically I, you know, play a little bit of a draw, so I'm going to aim a little bit right of where I want the ball to line up. But I get super specific. You know, I'm not just aiming at yep. the tree. I'm aiming at that red leaf in the top quarter of the tree that I can see. One hundred percent. And uh, and I'm I'm approaching the ball. I'm putting my club face down. I step with my right first. My right foot first. I separate with my left step back with my right. So now I've got my alignment, my ball position, my grip. I check those. Boom. I execute the shot. So uh, I think everybody needs to develop that type of step process in your, in your routine, or as you call it, you know, your approach. And, yeah. And so here's one of the things that I'll talk about real quick, because you covered something that's very important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. So 200,000 years ago, we had to throw rocks and sticks at things to kill it and eat. Right. So our brain, you know, they, they talk about we don't use like 80 to 90 percent of our brain, but actually the 80, 90 percent of our brain is used to throw stuff and kill stuff. It's just we don't use it a lot now because we go to the grocery store. <laughs> right. However, you can tap into that by simply thinking about what you want to hit. And I, I tell everybody to do this drill. So when you're walking down the sidewalk and you see something, I want you to spit on it. <laughs> don't think about it. Don't, don't do it. Just spit on it. You will hit it every time right up until the point that you try to hit it. <laughs> and it's simple. Everybody's like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm telling you. The other one is close your eyes. Look, look at something in your room. Close your eyes and point at what you want to hit. And when you open your eyes, you'll be pointing at it. And you'll be like, how does this work? <laughs> right. That's the 80% of your brain that you're not using. Huh. Your brain is programmed to hit birds flying. It's yeah. programmed to hit that red leaf at the top of the tree. Yeah. And so we had this huge debate two years ago. When you're on the ball, do you look up at what you're aiming at? Because it's different. The picture is different than when you're standing eight feet behind the ball. I personally don't look up at the target when I'm over it. No, I agree with you. Okay. But I do think about it. Sure. And I don't think about it from the construct of a red leaf in a tree I think about it from the constructs of a picture visualization. 
yeah, right? Yeah. I'm visualizing the red leaf in the tree, and I'll visualize my ball hitting that red leaf. Mm-hmm. And then that's it, right? And then I'll quiet my brain. I'll, th- I'll think about that. That'll be my last thought will be the target. Yeah. And then I will quiet my brain. And then I will start my physical activity in a quiet brain, right? Like no thoughts going on, no sports think whatsoever. What about breathing? Yeah, we're going to marry our breathing up, right? Like, so obviously, like when you're shooting, you're always going to shoot out of breath at the bottom of your of your breathing because your body's best, um, I guess, let me put it this way. Your body's stillest point is when you're at the very bottom of your exhalation. Mm-hmm. And so then you just pause a little bit. You let the round go out. I'm not going to talk about golf because I'm not that good of a golfer to worry about where the, when I'm breathing. Yeah. So I will let you talk about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with you hundred percent. I think it's, I think that's spot on regardless. I mean, I think that works the same way in golf. I think so. That, like when, you know, when, I prepare my breath when I'm standing eight feet behind, I am getting myself into a good breathing rhythm. Um, yep. And then as I approach the ball and, and go through those different steps that I talked about, um, I'm the same way with my breathing in terms of before I pull the trigger, you know, or, you know, start my swing. Yep. Yep. So it's all, but, but I think it's important for everybody to understand that all of these steps are what takes you to the next level. And I'm not going to say to the elite level, because when you're at, when you're, you know, when you're at the top of the food chain in golf, you've been operating like this for 15 years. Oh yeah. Right. Unless you're Tiger Woods, right? Like Tiger Woods, you know, you could argue it at nine years old, he was operating like this, but he got raised by a green beret. Oh yeah. Right. Like he got mentally trained first and the whole time, you know, I mean, you know, the story He had a TV above his bed, right? you know, so he was eight, eight months old from the day he was born to the day he was eight months old and he could actually get up. There was a TV showing golf swing above his head Mm -hmm. like you know and now we all know there's a bunch of parents so this is a bunch of parents listen to this here's what i'm going to tell you just as easily as tiger woods became the best golfer in the world he could have become broken like uh what's my quarterback's name from uh gosh there's a quarterback on the west coast whose dad literally raised him to be an nfl quarterback from day one and then he 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 basically in, exploded at USC and came off and so like I, I warn parents about going too extreme to make your kid the best golfer in the world. Yeah, because as easy as you could have success, I would say there's probably a ninety percent chance that you're going to break them or turn them off from from golf altogether. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so um, I think Tiger Woods is a unique situation. His dad had the mental training from Green Berets, understood how to do it, and then didn't have a job and spent every day, every hour with Tiger preparing him to be the best golfer in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about the practice range a little bit. Um, Okay. And just practicing visualization or I guess practicing routine and and just maybe we're going to reiterate some things we've already talked about, but I just want to make this point for – parents that are listening and and certainly the players that are listening too. you know, I've been around the game for a long time and uh, you know, a lot of the guests that I have on that, you know, talk about their success and, you know, the played at a high level and achieved some really nice things at a high level on the golf course, talk about the areas that they spend their time. And you've heard a lot of them talk about their short game. Um, And you hear a lot of them talk about, making their practice productive and specifically, you know, with the full swing and with their ball striking. Um, I'm a firm believer that when you're out there practicing, you should be going through your quality of practice should emulate the quality of work that you're trying to perform at in the game or on the course, meaning I should be hitting every single shot on the practice on the practice range, like I'm setting up to it on the golf course in a tournament. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So, so I call it persistent practice. Okay. We talked Pers- about this a little bit on the first, episode. we did on the first yeah. one. We talked about it. Like yep. 
anytime you are practicing, it has to be measurable and persistent. Meaning, if I'm going to take my five iron, I'm going to hit 10 shots with my five iron. Last time I was on the range, and I, you know, I got a logbook. I'll keep all this stuff in the logbook because you have to do it because you're not ever going to remember, you know, the 15, 14 clubs you got in the bag, 15 clubs you got in the bag, all that stuff. Right. So, boom, I pull it out. I say, okay, last time I hit 10 balls with my five iron, I hit eight great balls, one okay ball, and one bad ball. Okay. Today I'm going to hit nine great balls and one okay ball. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna take those and like and maybe now I'm thinking about it. Ten may be a little bit much for golf. I'm gonna do them in probably five sets, right? Like five five ball sets. And and what I'm gonna do is like okay, I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get four out of these five are gonna be great, and then one is gonna be okay. Yeah. And I and I'm gonna take those five sets and work on my five iron until I get to that where I want to be. Now, here's what I tell everybody. You're going to have days where it might be two hours, and now you're reaching into the unproductive range. I've hit 20 sets of five balls, or or let's say this, I've hit 40 sets of, of five balls for 200 balls, and I can't get to five or yeah. four, right? That's easy, okay? Right. That day was a wash. You're not always going to win, but here's what happens when you start practicing like that. And you have a very specific goal, and you're persistently trying to get there. You come in tomorrow, and all of a sudden, and I like to do it this way. Instead of a set, because I don't like sets, I do it in a row. I'm going to hit four great balls in a row. Yeah, the example we talked about on the last episode was I was doing a putting drill yes. where I had a rule. It's called a ruler drill. Basically, yep. it's, a, uh, you know, it's a yardstick. You have a three-foot putt, yep. and there's a little hole on the yardstick, right? So you set the ball in there. The idea is roll it down the stick into the cup. My goal was to make 25 in a row before I moved on to the next drill. Yep. Yep, absolutely. But this is – I'm just kind of describing the persistent practice part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I started off a little bit wrong, and I'm going to correct myself. Mm-hmm. We want to go in a row. So tomorrow, if I did four today, I want to do five tomorrow. But I may be at five for three or four days, maybe a week. Then what will right. happen is I'll hit six and seven real quick, and then I'll be back to kind of grinding to get to eight. Yeah. Then I'll hit eight, and then it might be another grind to get to nine, but then I'll hit nine, ten. And before you know it, you're at your 25. Yeah. And now when I go put three foot putts, they go in the hole every time. Yep. Right? Like Tiger Woods missed three, three or less putts in like a 10 year span. <laughs> yeah, now, he ain't like that no more, but I make an argument that kids, with kids, you can't practice as much anymore. Yeah. For sure. So, but yeah, that's the basic, the basic idea behind persistence practice is you're getting incrementally better every day. So we'd never go to the range to hit 200 balls. We'd never go to the range. I'm going to the putting range. I'm going to put, I'm going to put for two hours. Mm -hmm. No, we're not, we're not, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I made three of these two foot putts yesterday. I'm going to make four today. Yeah. And then you just keep working on it and you keep working on it and keep working on it. And then what happens is, over time, you get immensely better, and yeah. it, and and it's it, it's not accident. Now, let's talk. Did I talk about the the cycle? Did I talk about the six week no. cycle last time no. we were on here? I don't think so. Okay, let's talk about the six week cycle because I think it's very important for people to understand this, and it ties into visualization very well. Okay. So the six week cycle is this magical cycle that happens when you stop doing what got you to where you currently are. And so in my realm of just being really good athletically, you have things that you do every day. And in golf's case, like I put it every day for at least an hour. Yeah. And I, I got up in the morning at 5 a.m. and I didn't have a lot of money. 
So I knew that the golf guys got to the range at five. So I'm sorry, I got up at 4.30. I drove to the golf range. I picked up my two buckets of balls, two five-gallon buckets of balls off the range. And that way, when the guys got to the golf course at five, I was already set up hitting my balls. So they didn't know that I picked my balls up <laughs> out of the field. So yes. I, hit, I hit two balls. And I always started with my five iron because it, it was the best club I had in my bag. And then I worked around my bag. And then I would go to the putting range and putt before I went to school. Your everydays absolutely tie into the six-week cycle. So the story I'm going to tell, I got a kicker in the NFL right now. I should say we. Illinois has a kicker in the NFL. And when, when I got to start working with him, he was a 71% field goal kicker. Two full seasons in the Big Ten, 71%. And so he didn't have a routine, didn't have every days, didn't have a didn't have the process that we talked about on his approach, on his on his persistent practice. He didn't have any of the things we've covered so far. Yeah. So we got him lined up with this stuff and we roll into spring ball. And when I tell you this dude was different, everybody saw it. Like the way he kicked the ball was different. The ball snapped off his foot. It flew straight like. In I'll say four month period, this 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 young man transformed his ability to kick the ball. Okay, yeah. So we start spring practice, and 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 I just have these spidey senses when I work with people. I knew he had stopped doing his everydays. <laughs> so to give you an understanding of the six week cycle, you're gonna stop doing what got you to where you are currently. You're not going to notice for about three weeks. Three weeks, you're going to fall off a cliff and you're going to start doing what you were doing three weeks prior. And it'll take three weeks to get it back. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's called a six week cycle, roughly, right? Sure. Yeah. So we start camp. We go 11 practices. He doesn't miss a kick 100% to 11 practices. But here's what's interesting. The first day, second day, third day, the ball went straight through the upright. No left or right, straight through the middle. And as, it, as we got closer to that 11th day of practice, the ball started to wane from the middle. Mm. I knew he had stopped doing his every days at this point. There was no – I didn't even have to ask him. I didn't ask him. I didn't say nothing because I needed him to fail in practice yeah. so that he would learn the lesson. Right. So, boom, practice 11. He's perfect, but he had some shots that were just – they weren't his normal ball. Right. So, the next practice, 12, we go out there. He doesn't make a kick. Wow. So, in the remaining three practices that we had, he made two out of eight balls that he kicked because he didn't kick all three practices. He kicked two out of the three. He made, he made two out of eight. Mm. So after he had the offer day, I said, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> he said, man. And I looked at him and he goes, damn. I said, you stopped doing your everydays, didn't you? He goes, yeah. I said, what happens when you stop doing your everydays? He goes, uh, six-week cycle. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, so can you ever stop doing your everydays? He's like, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. And you don't have to say, you know, he's a grown man. I don't got to say nothing to him. We just got to learn the lesson. Sure. Bottom line is he went into that season, ended up being a, a Groza Award winner, finalist, kicker. He missed a couple kicks that we met, kind of messed him up because we had him kicking on a really poor surface in practice, and it messed him up. But he missed four kicks out of 29. Okay. And the difference is every day he did his every days. Yeah. So in golf, it's no different, right? Like that approach, the every days, all of that ties into the persistent practice aspect of every day. Every day have a goal. Every day you go to the range, everything you do should be goal driven. I want to get one more than I did yesterday. Mm. And that drives consistency. And I got a thousand stories on this. A punter, punter that couldn't kick the ball consistently. You don't get to kick until you can kick 10 across the field in spirals. 
As soon as he did that, he had a tryout with the NFL. Right? Yeah. He had a monster leg. But I made him just go seek himself out. I told him, I don't need him to go a long ways. I don't, you can kick 60-yard balls. I don't need him to go 60 yards. I need him to turn over and go 40 yards. So, so you can do that, but you don't get to play. And then I started a running back at kicker, at punter, and he got mad. And it took him three weeks into the season to figure it out that I was dead serious about him getting consistent. Yeah. And the result was he got consistent, worked on his everydays, got better, got better, got better. And then he had a shot at the NFL after the season. So a lot of times people want to, like, you, you know, you heard the Colby stories about, Colby shooting in a gym at 3 a.m. And we talked about the book Relentless oh, yeah. last time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. We talked about that yeah, book. Right and just, Kobe passed, I think, is when we yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the obsessiveness and all of that stuff. Yeah. But what's missed in all of those messages is Colby wasn't in the gym just shooting. No. Colby was in the gym saying, listen, I'm going to sink 25 three-pointers in a row. And his number may have been 50. Like, I don't know what his number is. I'm just telling you what was going through his head every time he showed up at the gym, right? Like, I'm going to work this back down, and I'm going to hit five of these little – or 15. Nah, he probably was at 50. I'm going to hit 50 of these jumpers in a row. Yeah. And if he missed, he started over. So, does that – like, are we good on that? Like, does that – A hundred percent. Yeah. The only thing I would ask maybe in addition to that is – now, do you believe, you know, you're hitting those 50 in a row? Yep. The more, just to tie it back into visualization a little bit more, or yep. from what I understanding, I mean, you're, if you're watching the ball go down 50 times, you're getting used to that vision, right? You're watching it time after time after time. If you're watching the ball roll into the hole from 10 feet, one after another, that's helping you from a visualization perspective as well when you get out there on the course and you have that type of situation. Absolutely. Right. Like, like I, you know, I don't know about you, but I try to keep my head down through contact on the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't look up. I try not to look up until after everything is done moving. And then I look up. Uh, Cause I, I, I'm super athletic. I will take my eyes off the ball in a second and then it don't work well. So, <laughs> but I tell everybody after the moment, just allow the moment to be the moment, right? Like allow the ball to fly straight. All the extra stuff, the win was in the pre-contact. I agree with you. There is a lot of win. There's a lot of confidence gained when the ball goes where you want it to go. Yeah. Right? When the ball goes in the cup. Like I can remember I got to private school. I got to one of the number, number two cool school in the country on scholarship, and I was a gorilla golfer. I held the ball, the golf club, like a baseball bat. Yeah. And I chopped at it. I came from public school. I didn't know nothing about golf. And I got there, and for the first two months of the golf season, they wouldn't let me hit the ball, play a round of golf, because I putt, was right? I was missing one foot putts. I remember that. Yeah. And it, it was murder for me, man. Like I, I was like, yo, and so then. Like, me being super, like, just, nah, y'all ain't getting me on this one. <laughs> I the, the country club that we got to practice at had – it was right next to the parking lot, the practice tee green. Uh-huh. And so the lights from the parking lot illuminated it plenty well to putt. I will putt all night. I'll go there and putt three, four hours a <laughs> night, every night. On Saturdays and Sundays, I wasn't going. I was putting. Yep. Because I was going to be – and to say it, like, a little snottily – I was going to be damned if these little rich kids didn't let me on this course because I couldn't do something. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then, shoot, I got on the course. My putting was kind of fixed. I had fixed my swing that offseason with a retired sergeant major in the Army. Big dude at the golf. Same, same place I go to the – I go to Fort Lewis to the, to the range because I got to pick up the balls. And he would get there really early with a big cigar in his mouth. And he was like, what are you doing, man? I was like, I'm just, I'm hitting balls. I'm getting better. He was like, look, we're going to fix this now. (laughs) And so like every morning, like he would coach me. And so pretty soon I was swinging a club like a golfer, which was crazy. (laughs) But, you know, it all comes back to like, you can't get on the course until you can sink a two foot putt. Yeah. Driving doesn't win you money. Putting does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to build that confidence through the persistent practice on the practice 
tea before you take it to the course. Absolutely. Volume, volume does not reflect greatness. Mm-hmm. Quality re- reflects greatness. I love it, man. That's all I got. I think, uh, I think that sums it up. I mean, there's obviously a ton more conversations and stories that we could tie into it, but yep. you know, yep. I love the picture book. I love the talking about the approach, uh, the routine, the six week cycle, um, all super, super good stuff. I think for parents that are listening to take away and, you know, try to help their kids learn about uh, these concepts and implement them. And then, you know, any of you kids that are listening right now that are just, you know, trying to gain that edge, trying to, uh, you know, be the best that you can on the golf course, man, listen to this episode a couple of times. I think that some of the stuff you're laying out, Jake, is just awesome information. And Matt, I got, um, so I got a, on my YouTube channel, Jake's wig. Yeah. I have a visualization walkthrough. Oh, from cool, start cool. to finish, like a 40-minute visualization walkthrough. Okay. I'll link that um, up uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So it's just because I think – and I tell everybody, man, you just got to get started. Yeah. You know, I, I was in seventh grade. I got started. I learned it at wrestling camp. You just got to get started. You know, there's probably 50 different ways to get relaxed. I learned one way. It's the same way I learned that I use now, same way I teach. Yep. You know, so there's you could probably Google it and find different techniques, but just you got to get started with visualization. You got to make sure that you're visualizing perfect every time. We never visualize mistakes. It's some yep. of the I'm gonna I'm hit some of the high notes of things that I see. People always ask me, should I visualize mistakes? Never, ever, ever visualize mistakes. Ever. You will you make them that, come true. How do you true. shut that down, though? You have to, you have to, you, that's one of the training aspects of it, right? Okay. Like, I, I always hit the perfect shot in my visualization. Yeah. And, and early on when you're young, like when you're first starting out, it's hard, right? Like, uh, like you, but you got to stop you, 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 before you go in there, you know, every shot's perfect. Every, everything I do in visualization world is perfect. There's never any flaw. And I try to, and I talk about this in the, in the videos I got on my YouTube channel you are trying to put all five of your senses into that visualization. Hmm. All of them. You want to hear it. You want to see it. You want to feel it. You want to smell it. And if you can taste it, you want to taste it. Yeah. Because all that'll do is allow you to perform better in the competition. So never, you know, visualization. We don't want to go into a visualization and have 15 different things that we want to work on. We want to go in there and work on maybe, I say, one to two things. If I'm going to work on my eight iron, then I'm going to hit eight iron shots. If I'm going to go visualize a hole, I'm going to go visualize one hole. I may play it four or five times, but I'm not going to go visualize a whole 18-hole golf course in my visualization. Yeah. Um, You know, I might, man, like – a professional, a guy that's been doing visualization that is, is dialed in, you you may be able to pull out nine holes, right? A professional may be able to do 18. Right. But but more isn't more in visualization isn't better. It's making sure that every rep you take in the visualization zone is of one million percent perfect. Yeah. So that's just some of the things that I've seen. Right. And, and I tell everybody initially go short, do five reps or whatever you want to do, get in, get out, learn it. Right. Start with a picture book so you can set the picture in your head. Don't make it more complicated than it is. You know, Uh, don't practice a skill in the visualization that you don't actually have. Because you will practice it wrong in your head and it yep. will be wrong when you have to do it. Makes sense. So those are the big ones, Matt. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. I really appreciate you jumping back on here and doing this. And uh, definitely a lot of value coming through the, uh, the line on this end. So thank you very much. Absolutely, Matt. Hey, man, I'll tell everybody, man, you can find me. Uh, I'm the easiest person to find. You put Jake's wig. And my name will come up. My email will come up. If you have a question, shoot me an email. If you have a really good question, we'll zoom it, and then I'll put it back up on YouTube in my visualization section. Okay. Don't be afraid to reach out to me, man. I, I, you know, I'm I'm in a point in my life right now where I got time to answer emails, so shoot away.
Good deal. I love it. Yeah, I've heard you say, if you can't find me, you're not looking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. You have a great weekend. Well, that wraps up episode 59 of Junior Golf Keys presented by Golf Zone Ledbetter with our guest this week, Jake Zwig. Uh, Really appreciative of Jake's time, and I hope you guys took away some value from that episode. Um, I thought it was a great conversation around visualization, and I think there's definitely some things that we can use going forward in our own golf games uh, that are going to help us to better execute out there, uh, putting some of these practices uh, into play while we're out on the course in practice and uh, in competition. So if you guys did take any value away from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of our exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.